Hello there, sports fans. This is Ian Busby, and this is the After the Buzzer podcast. Another interesting week in the CFL to break down Danny in just a minute. Just wanted to think first, though, the number one story about uh, the CFL this week was the Edmonton Elks and their COVID outbreak. Uh, we don't get into it until a little bit later in the show. Uh, we break down the uh, games actions first with the the big emphasis on the last game of the week which was stampeders versus blue bombers blue bombers get a field goal in the last minute to win the game uh stampeders still have a chance at the end uh to come back and get a field goal but they renee paradis a rare 52 yard miss uh he can't be blamed on that one uh the one thing is that the the stamps could have been closer had a penalty gone their way it is very uh, much a lot of positives out of the Stampeders camp. Uh, I feel like this team is in headed in the right direction. Uh, it's a building year. They're not going to be 15 and one like they have been in the past, uh, but nobody's going to be 15 and one because there's only 14 games in this year. So one thing that we've kind of learned so far uh, in the CFL after four weeks is it's not going to be a lot of scoring uh, and most of the biggest news is going to come off the field. So uh, we're going to get into it right away. Danny's in the uh, airport heading back from Winnipeg, so it's a little bit uh, loud in some spots, and he's a bit distracted, but uh, still a good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. All right, this is our first travel show with Danny on the road uh, coming back from Winnipeg. Uh, he's in the airport, so if you hear some announcements uh, in the background, that's just uh, Danny being late for his flight. They're going to call his name pretty shortly here. But uh, we're, you're coming back from this like very interesting game with between the Bombers and the Stamps last night. Uh, you don't often see Renee Paradis miss, but 52 yards is a tough field goal to make in that uh in that situation uh and uh overall uh i would say that the stamps played pretty well the uh i saw a bombers fan on uh twitter that i follow said uh, we stole that game and i feel 100 percent like that is the case uh there was a lot of things that uh, could have gone differently for the bombers in that one but they come up with the victory what's your overall impression because you texted me after that game last night and said uh this team's gonna be fine so uh, I agree with you. Like, there's there's so many positives coming out of this week. I like. <clears throat> I don't think there's anything to be worried about from that loss. Like, you want the points in the standings. Um, you went in against the reigning Grey Cup champions, a team that's healthier than you, um, a team that you know by all accounts has a right now a better team. And the Stampeders have always said that they were building. This was going to be a season where they were going to try to. You know, try to hit the ground running, but realistically start peaking near the end of the season and as long as they could hang in there. So I always had this penciled in as a loss. I think this was the, the toughest game on their early schedule. I think the Argos game, they should have won. I think the Lions game, they had a quarterback with a broken leg. Montreal, tight game. You can argue they should have lost that one. But um, this one, look, they came in. You're just not going to stress about Rene Paradis missing a field goal. Like, he's so good that, like, who cares? Yeah, it sucks, but like he, he's so good. And like, look, I don't know what it looked like on TV, but um, in the stadium, it just looked like the wind caught it. Like he didn't put quite enough on it to power through that wind, I guess. But it, it got caught on the wind. He lost by one yard, 
Yeah. Um, and and you come out thinking like, well, at the at the very least, we're going to get some players for Jake Mayer when we trade him to Ottawa um, <laughs> at the, in the off season. But I, I think this team's looking looking really really good right now, and I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Edmonton both games and they're and they're five hundred coming out of the Labor Day games because I, I think there's so much there. Um, you know, the ball security stuff, fumbles happen, but really, I mean, they probably, you know, win that game if Josh Hoff doesn't fumble the one ball. But Josh Hoff's now, like, the fourth leading receiver in the entire CFL. Like, Kadeem Carey, I think, is number two in rushing. Like, this team has the pieces coming together in a real way. Well, and uh, I was just looking quickly at the numbers, and, yes, Josh Huff looks uh, – he looks great. Uh, I think if a couple of drops um, – Late in that game, even uh, Mayer's numbers would have been even better. But 30 of 39 for 307, uh, the fumble wasn't obviously his problem. And uh, there were some drops that I was just like, uh, damn, if you hold on to those balls, that he's got like a, a 90% completion percentage. And as you said, Kadeem Carey, um, 66 yards on eight carries for an 8.2-yard average. I like that. Um, on the Winnipeg side... Uh, from the Winnipeg I, side, I'm like, the, the, I don't find that they're they've got really big weapons. Of course, Kenny Lawler had a nice night, um, and Rashid Bailey as well. But except, Andrew, except Kenny Andrew Lawler had three drops. Great. What's that? Kenny Lawler had three drops. Like, let's be completely clear. Like, Kenny yeah. Lawler, had, like the numbers are fine, but he was a, a liability out there for them. Like, the, I mean, and look, your receivers have to catch balls, and but I, I think the Bombers have a much easier night if Kenny Lawler is a bit, like better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I know we're about to get into Andrew Harris, but Andrew Harris's numbers look pretty good. If you watch that game, he had a good drive in the first quarter, good drive in the fourth quarter. That's kind of, Other than that, I mean, he gets outperformed by Kadeem Carey by any metric throughout most of that game. Um, yeah. The thing with Andrew Harris and Kadeem Carey is they both bring that sort of intangible that isn't possible to quantify, which is blocking, and the guy can block still. So, I mean, I, I, I Andrew Harris is better than I thought he was going to be, but I like I was – being a bit of a troll and just saying that he was done uh, and he is not done. <laughs> he is not done. Um, well, he's not done. His, his long carry of uh, 20 um, certainly shows that he's still got a little bit of that, uh, that oomph, but it felt like they were going to just power him through and he got 17 carries in the end. So that's, uh, but yes, he's, he's, he picks up some key blocks on um, some of those deep passes and he probably won't be, he's not a liability. He's not going to be done. Uh, but it, you can see that it's not going to last forever. Um, and the thing is, being Canadian, maybe he can stick around and uh, be a good part of that team for a long time. But again, Winnipeg just doesn't scare me offensively. They Again, they pull out of another victory. They're 3-1. and one. They, they score 18 points again. It's not, it's not a team that I like. I, next week, this coming weekend, is going to be the telltale sign for all of it because they're going to go into Saskatchewan and they're going to have to put up points because Saskatchewan's going to put up points on them. We're going to learn about both of those teams this weekend. I mean, it, it's weird that Labor Day is happening this soon, um, obviously. But, like, this is always the weekend where we find out if te what, what teams are. And, I mean, if you're the Stampeders, it, it's part of the reason. Like, there are just so many West versus West games coming. So the teams around you one way or another are going to start dropping games. So, yeah. I mean, you need to start winning them. But it's why, like, one and three, I just don't think is that big a deal. Um, but, look, this Bombers defense is absolutely legit. And what I will say um, is, we, you know, we always say that at the end of the year, you know, football, you know, the games are won in the trenches. And, and, and the Bombers won in the trenches yesterday. I, I think the Stamps did a pretty good job. I think Mike Rose 
I did not think the referees did a very good job last night. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that either of those penalties on Mike Rose were wrong, but I'm saying that the first one, ref, don't let the defensive lineman just hold. At some point, what's he supposed to do other than slam him into the ground? He's been holding him for two seconds. Blow the whistle. The play's not going anywhere. And and then, you know, Mike Rose probably shouldn't have suplexed him into the ground. But I also think that, like, that play was over. um, Yeah, he he was just frustrated. I got him. He won't... I can't let yeah. him do something, but then he's still, his arm's still free. He's going to throw the ball. Exactly. And then the second one, the contact was high. But, I mean, Jeff Code on the very next drive, there's not nearly identical play and it doesn't get called. So if you're the Stampeders, like, you're understandably – you're not blaming it on the refs, but you're understandably frustrated with the refs right now. Yes. Well, and that's the thing. And, and you feel bad. Mike Rose didn't even show up on the stat sheet, uh, but he had two of the most crucial plays in the game. Uh, and Mike, Rose is, <laughs> Mike Rose might be the best defensive tackle in the league right now. I know. And I'm like, I don't want him to stop playing you, as the stamps. You don't want him to stop playing like this because he's being disruptive. He's like, uh, Coloros knows he needs to get rid of that ball because here comes that guy. He's going to hit me. And that's what happened. But uh, well, and that's the thing is with the stamps D line right now, the way it's working is the interior because Derek Wiggins has been excellent as well. Um, what, you know, what a player he's become for this, this organization, but you're just not getting any pressure from, the exterior right now. I mean, I, I, I don't think Sean Lemon was particularly effective. Uh, I, you know, what are your expectations for Chris Odom starting his first game against this Bombers O-line? But right. Caleros had time to move. The, the throws Caleros missed were Zach Caleros problems, not necessarily Stamps defensive end problems. <laughs> so I, 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 I do think they've got to figure that out. And, you know, it remains the one offseason one where, you know, these guys may be in two, three weeks as they, as they get their feet under them, they might, they might be forces to be reckoned with. I don't think we're seeing a ton of sacks across the league right now. Um, like I don't think the defensive ends are necessarily going the way you'd expect them to, but it's the one where I still look back and I'm like, with the way the receivers are playing right now, I understand, you know, the Eric Rodgers, the Juan Breskins, those guys. One that I don't quite get is the Cordero law, letting him go. I like, it just seems like that's a guy that they could have used this season. Um, but I don't know. I don't want to question Huffnagel too bad because he's got a very young team playing awfully well right now. And I guess that's the big takeaway. But I do wonder about Cordero a lot. Yeah. Uh, and and then you don't expect the injuries to happen, obviously. You can't predict that. So that's the, the problem with uh, the Stamps yeah. defensive line. Uh, the other games this week were, and I, I think we mentioned it last week, you were not going to spend your Saturday night uh, watching uh, – <laughs> Red Blacks versus Lions, and that the worst part is I did, I and I did too. Yeah, so uh, it was a bit of a snoozer. Um, and again, we come back to this thing: how are they still going to roll with Matt Nichols? Because that Ottawa team, if they could just get any consistent offense going, they're they're five hundred better, and they're not going to be in the playoff race if they continue with the offense right now. And the Question was, did Paul Lapalise believe that he needed Matt Nichols to solidify this team? Like he just needed the veteran guy to come in and that was going to be the guy. Well, no, we don't want to go with a young guy named Nick Arbuckle. We're going to go with a veteran guy, the guy I know from Winnipeg. Uh, it just, it is bizarre. And now, and now he's frustrated with his offense for good reason. They just don't, they don't have any football and they don't seem to go downfield. They're paying Matt Nichols more than they would have paid Nick Arbuckle. It makes no sense. Uh, right? I, I, I don't get it. Um, I, I don't think anyone, and again, I recognize that the, the Red Blacks were pretty, 
were hit pretty hard by retirements. So that, that that is part of their story, and particularly, I believe, on their O line, right? So um, it's tough. But I mean, Matt Nichols just isn't the quarterback that he was a couple years ago, and even then, a couple years ago. I think 2019, the Bombers could have won the Great Cup if he was healthy. Like, I, I think he was playing pretty well. But other than that, he's never looked like a Great Cup winning quarterback. So, again, I've, I've said this numerous times. Why don't you go with Arbuckle and build something? Unless you really don't believe that Arbuckle is, like, is a CFL quarterback, at which point, like, you haven't been watching. So, at which point your talent, your like, your talent evaluation's off. It, it made no sense. Um, I, I feel bad for the for some of the guys. I, I think this Red Lacks defense is still – pretty okay they just like jake mayer john hodge from three down I, I literally included in my story um found this but jake mayer in his first six quarters had more passing yards than the red blacks have had in their three games and yeah. half the amount of time jake mayer so <laughs> like like it i mean this is absurd and like i don't know i i it bums me out that Ottawa, because I think that that fan base could be really, really vibrant and really, really fun if if they have a good team. But this may just suck the life out of them, and you got to get a real CFL GM in there. Yeah. Well, they they went to the Grey Cup uh, how many years in a row? Or a couple 2015, years. 2015, 2016. Yeah, and then back – and then again in 18. So, yeah. uh, so they were three out of four years, and they are like some of the best representatives of what the – the league is looking for going forward is a younger fan base that's really engaged. They go to the games. They have such a good time. Uh, they're chopping logs and dressing like lumberjacks and, and having a, it's a great fan base. I, I, I feel bad for what's going on there right now. Uh, over to Montreal, Hamilton, uh, Vernon Adams. Can I also just say, I have no idea if the lions are good or not. Honestly. Like, I don't know either, yeah. I, I, <laughs> my takeaway from that game was I was like, you guys don't look that good against a team that I think is pretty bad. You yeah. lost last week. You beat a Stampeders team that straight up was playing with a quarterback with a broken leg. Like, I, I, I have no idea if the Lions are good or not. Um, you win or you lose. But that, that was one of my main takeaways from this game. Is like I'm more confused about them than I am about probably anyone other than Montreal. Right. And they've got a week off to prepare for Ottawa again. So they're – looking like the schedule is a little bit there in their favor right now. Um, but yeah, and then in, in Montreal, um, you were very high on Montreal to start the year. And now Vernon Adams has a couple of games where he didn't look that great. Um, Hamilton came to play, obviously. They knew that they needed that game. They weren't going to go 0-3 and try and turn that around very quickly. So <clears throat> that was kind of a, a very understandable um, result, I think, in Montreal with Hamilton getting off the schneid. Yeah. And winning. I mean, there are questions about what's going on in Montreal because, admittedly, I, I, I don't think Vernon Adams – I mean, I, I saw him in Calgary in person. I, I don't think he's looked great, and I think that's a problem. I mean, I, I think that that was a team in 2019 that there was a lot of good, but they also, like, rode some really hot quarterback play. I mean, again, I, I've said this. I have Vernon Adams, and the way that I typically do my – TSN top 50 ballot or whatever is like based on just the season before. And then I troll with some of my picks, but I had Vernon Adams number four. <laughs> I had Vernon Adams number four. So, I mean, this is a, this is a, this is a problem for the Alouettes. And um, there's just discipline issues there that I'm like, get this together, guys. Like get it yeah. together. Cause I think we're seeing more, more this season. And I, I think it's understandable. There was no preseason guys haven't played a while, but when people said, Oh, going into this year it might be a little bit sloppy there might be a lot of penalties we're seeing that 
Like it's 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 very much materializing on the field, and it's impacting games. It impacted the Stampeders yesterday, and it's impacted the Alouettes. So um, I, I still don't think they cannot turn it around, but it, it looks bad. Yeah. Uh, well, they got Ottawa this week, so they should be able to look better against Ottawa. All that defense um, is not easy to play against. So we'll we'll see. This obviously is a big weekend in the CFL, but. We're, we're burying the lead on the big story of the week, which is obviously the Edmonton Elks and their um, massive outbreak uh, and subsequent game being postponed. Um, I'm, I was just um, aghast that they let it get this bad and I couldn't get their poop in a group, um, as people say. Um, but it looks like they're going to, you know, they didn't have any positive tests over the weekend. They're going to be able to hit the field on Wednesday and hopefully play on Monday. And now we've, they finally announced that they're going to have uh, vaccination requirements um, for fans in their stands. Uh, them in Saskatchewan announced that this morning. So it's, this situation was, was this just basically finally a wake up call was, okay, we can't just, I know here in Alberta, it's not the same in, in other parts of Canada, but um, you we, we had to take it seriously. And you guys had to like, yes, you had to like, you can't just be fooling around with this because you can lose a game and they might end up forfeiting that game. They haven't really figured out where they're going to put that if they're going to try and reschedule that game. So uh, Toronto and and is the team that gets screwed out of this because they lose a home game and they should have, you know, been able to, have a good game against the Elks this week. So it's just overall, it was very disappointing. And I just want to get your thoughts on the whole situation right now. So, I mean, I'm not going to speculate on how this all happened, right? I mean, there are rumors out there that you hear from various CFL people. You hear one thing or the other, right? Like the Elks today basically said that it came from someone going to a massage therapist and, you know, they accidentally broke the protocols, got brought it into the dressing room is what it is. Um, it, it's a bad look for the outs. Uh, I, I honestly think that, like, I, I, I was pretty furious, and I, I was pretty furious of the way that, you know, I, I do think that the players' names who are unvaccinated and get it should be public. Um, you know, I, I think shame is a powerful thing, and I don't mind shaming these people. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's just, like, man, like, being in Winnipeg this weekend, and, like, it's so embarrassing, like, being Albertan right now. Um, there's the announcement going on, so I hope that, like, this, I can say this so it doesn't come across. But, like, they have cards. They have QR codes proving that they're vaccinated. It's so easy. Like, it's yeah. so easy. And I am walking around with this, like, folded-up piece of paper that I had to print off from the pharmacy that, like, could easily be forged. And people, right. like, literally were like, oh, Alberta, you're one of the dangerous ones. And, like... Credit to Calgary Sports and Entertainment for getting ahead of it and doing what the province won't and saying it's mandatory vaccines at games. And then good for the Edmonton Elks for doing it now. Looks like the Riders are doing it. But, like, what's weird is, like, and I know I'm more going into COVID territory here than I am CFL territory, but, like, the weird thing about it is it's just, like, it's careless. for a reason. Like, we don't have to be careless about this. Like, we can easily just say you got to have proof that you're vaccinated to get into the stadium. Let's go. Um I feel horrible well, for the Argonauts. This game should not be postponed. This game should be a forfeit, and the Toronto Argonauts should get a win, and the Edmonton Elks should get a loss. Like, I want to be very, very clear. That is, I, I firmly believe that in my heart of hearts. I, I think there was real concern about the Labor Day game. Um, my only thing with the concern about the Labor Day game is, if you think these owners already losing money, 
like this season, if you, right. the CFL would have, would have drafted you and me to play for the Edmonton Elks, like the Labor Day game was happening. The Calgary yeah. Sports and Entertainment was not losing the revenue that comes from the biggest game of the year in a season when they're losing money. It just wasn't happening. So well, and they had they have seventy players listed on their roster. They can't. They got find forty two. I don't. I don't care what position it is no. that you're missing. You have a, we have these CFL practice rosters where you're allowed to claim yeah. guys for COVID reasons. Put all those guys on special teams. Don't let them into you know your actual meetings for anything. Like you don't want to give up information, but like just claim those guys. Like if it's is that there for a reason or not? Well, this happened last year in the NFL where the Denver Denver Broncos had all their quarterbacks uh, being ruled out for a game, so they they played a practice roster receiver at quarterback. Like, yes, it was embarrassing, but you played the game. So I don't know why the Elks are like because they couldn't travel to Toronto. Nobody nobody in Ontario wanted this group of outbreak team to come to Toronto. Well, obviously, and then there was speculation that. Oh, they'll just move the game back to Edmonton. Well, how is that fair to Toronto? Like, I know. In any way, how is that fair to Toronto? No, I mean, that's not. That's not. That's not fair. It should be no. a home game. Um, yeah, I, I honestly like. I don't know that I'm mad at the league about this one. I, I like these situations are difficult, and like we acknowledge that. But like, why wasn't this game just a forfeit? And like, right. honestly, it's the owners are never going to accept it. But like, the owners should have to pay out of pocket and compensate the other owners who lose revenue on this. Well, like, the the Edmonton club can certainly financially handle this setback. Like there's no problem. Like there. Jokes, but there's like 10,000 people a game at the Argos. It's like 50 bucks or like 30 bucks a ticket. Right. The, the Elks have $300,000 they can throw at. Yeah, the exactly. To, they, they could make the problem go away and just forfeit the game. They competitively, they, they know if they take a loss there, they're, they're going to be even further behind. And uh, this, this is a situation where, okay, we need to get in the playoffs. We need a, playoff home game we want to recoup all the revenues that we've lost and playoff home games will be part of that but the situation was just not and it's just it's frustrating and i know we don't have to get into it too much but as you and me as being early adopters of the vaccine and people that were like okay let's get on let's get on let's get on with life let's get healthy like everybody like let's get the vaccine in us and we can move on and we can beat this thing there's a simple path to finding a solution to this problem and then there's people that refuse to get it and i like that's their choice but they're also affecting other people so if you if you had refused to get the vaccine but still wanted to play in the league that's it's frustrating uh, as someone who's on the other side of it so if i was a cfl jam yeah people I, having to be vaccinated to be in the stands but you could play on the field without being vaccinated so which is insane i mean a lot of these protocols a lot of the initial protocols were developed in February and were like very much um, in keeping with sort of where we were at in midwinter, maybe late winter, as opposed to where we were midsummer. But I mean, I, I can, I largely complain. God, recording this in an airport is hilarious. There's so many just noises going on. I feel horrible. Um, it's, it's not even that bad. So, <laughs> okay. Well, like literally, like what appeared to be like a, 3,000 pound safe was just like dragged by me on, on the tile. <laughs> um, um, and I'm just very conscious of it because audio quality matters. But um, yeah, I mean, it's the entire thing is infuriating. If I was a CFL GM, I would not be signing unvaccinated players at this point. Um, and I know that there are CFL GMs who are not. You're not a victim if you're unvaccinated and are choosing not to get vaccinated and don't get career opportunities because of it. Like, right. you are not doing your part to help us all get back to normal. 
you are creating a system, you are part of a system where Alberta has way more COVID cases per capita than any other place in the country right now. Like, it, it's embarrassing. I'm happy that the Elks and the Riders are a little bit late, <clears throat> but I'll put in these policies. I don't understand why the government isn't helping us and forcing private businesses to make those decisions on their own. But here we are, we're getting Labor Day. Um, you and I, it's, it's awkward in a moment where we're like spiraling towards, um, you know, a horrible COVID situation again in our province. But I know it's like, it's, it's my favorite day of the year. I like, I don't cover the Elks. I, I'm sort of, I'm casting side eye at them without wanting to fully go nuclear and call out how irresponsible it seems like they've probably been, um, right. because it may not be true, but, um, like we get Labor Day at some point, you gotta do, like you gotta move on, and ultimately, hopefully, players around the league are looking at this and realizing that, you know, whatever YouTube video they watched with some, you know, huckster from Florida claiming the vaccines don't work, well, they do work. So maybe you can save yourself some money, save your, everyone a little bit of headache. Go get it done. Make everyone safe. Well, and that's the thing. You would feel terrible if you cost your team a loss by doing something on the field. You should feel equally terrible for costing your team a game, a game that you couldn't even play if you have making a choice off the field. But we're not calling out anybody specifically. We're just frustrated with the situation. I think we all, we, you and I both were like, if hopefully they can get this season completed and all everybody plays all the games and there's no none of this stuff. But week four, they have a big problem. Hopefully that the the U.S. has like approved the vaccine in them. Um, and FDA approval apparently means something to people. Um, it was rushed in and people are like, well, oh, it's experimental. It was rushed. Well, they did it properly. They just brought it out as soon as they possibly could to get back to quote unquote normal. It just didn't work that way. So, uh, anyway, we can, we can move on to another topic, but, uh, that was the, the main story this week. And, uh, it's just, uh. I think it's going to be ongoing and I think it probably is a wake up call to other teams that they can't, um, you know, that they can't be fooling around. They gotta, they gotta take it seriously. And well, uh, and I can say that like without hesitation, I can say, there was real concern about Labor Day within the Stampeders organization. I know that that's probably not everyone's number one priority, but like if you're a CFL fan, again, like I don't, I, if you told the Stampeders ownership group at the beginning of the season, hey, you're going to lose that Labor Day revenue, are you still willing to play? I'm not, I have no, this is no inside intel, but I'm not sure they would have been. So there was like, it, it is a real concern. It was a real concern. And it matters that that game is happening to, you know, the, the ongoing viability of the league. Yeah. Well, uh, fingers crossed we'll get through this week and uh, it'll get back to talk about football instead because this is going to be a crucial matchup for the next two weeks uh i'm looking at the schedule and i'm thinking winnipeg saskatchewan they're going to play twice uh toronto hamilton they're going to play twice and calgary and edmonton are going to play twice so we're we're going to know quite a bit coming out of week six um where things stand if all those uh matchups split then uh we're looking at a real tight race or saskatchewan can really separate themselves uh, Calgary can get right back in this race, same as Edmonton. It's just um, we're going to know a lot coming out of these next two weeks of CFL action, and uh, it is pretty exciting. And uh, um, uh, you're looking at a nice long week with a couple of days off, right? 
nothing's going to happen this yeah week. that is very <laughs> much the plan um <laughs> that's the thing uh no i i am i'm i am not working wednesday um but yeah i mean the st peters won't be back until i guess thursday so we'll have they'll have tuesday wednesday after. they appeared to come out of that that game relatively in okay shape Deshaun Amos left the, the game for a little while, but came back. Julian Good Jones uh, left the game and came back. Um, yeah. they gave the hit and landed on, right? So. Yeah, and like those are two big ones. Like Neil Kazatati should be in, but I don't think he'll be starting the Labor Day games. The reality is, I think Bo Levi Mitchell's probably back for the replay. Wow, um, okay. Yeah, that's the impression that I'm sort of getting. Um, like I, I honestly think Labor Day, they think might be possible. They've got a long week here. Um, yeah. Like they only played, like they played last Thursday or maybe Friday, and then Sunday, and then on Monday. So like, there's been a lot of rest and relaxation here, which are obviously for football players are spent working out and not right. doing what you and I do for rest and relaxation. But so I think both <laughs> possible. And like, you know, I, I see the questions people saying get Jake Marin, get Jake Marin. Um, I think that that's largely based on people having very short memories and, and Bo didn't play great against the Lions. Um, well, the, well, here's the, the thing, though. The way, the way that Mayer has played, uh, you don't feel like you need to rush Bo back until he's 100% healthy. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, those are two different questions, right? Like, yeah. if, if Bo's not 100%, don't put him in. But the second he's 100%, there is no quarterback controversy here. It's No. I mean, I will say that I think that in the same way that there probably was with Arbuckle, weirdly, I think people are more excited about Mayer than they were with Arbuckle. Like, Arbuckle, there was just, like, an understanding, like, okay, this guy's a quarterback, he can play. Um, and I actually think Arbuckle was probably played better than Mayer. It's just Dave has he's been got, so – He's just got a, he's got a little bit of an electricity, and some of those balls that he throws, it's just like, whoa, that's a zip. <laughs> And I have never seen Dickinson pull out like the creative play calling this early in the season. You know that like that's that's the word on Dickinson is he just saves his playbook, saves his playbook, saves his playbook. And like when you get up, you don't need to use any of these. Like they're doing flea flickers, they're doing Philly specials, they're doing everything. Mayor had a reception, by the way. So and then absolutely hit on that too. So <laughs> I, I can tell you that I watched that play in practice. As, as everyone knows, like we're not allowed to tweet out plays right. like at all um but i watched that play in practice the goal was for him to get to the sideline <laughs> like yeah. like let's be clear they missed that by about five yards but they you know they got they got the yards um but it's like it, the stampeders offense is actually really fun they just take too many penalties so like they get all these big games and then immediately end up at second and 20. um yeah. they, they no, had a lot of second and longs last night so yeah but like i'm seeing more of a quarterback controversy conversation right now um, I also think that's because, look, the end of the season last year didn't go great. It's just been a, a minute since Bo was best in the league, Bo. And I think that there is, for the first time debatably in his career, likely a little bit, yeah, you, your first, second game back, you want to look pretty good. You just yeah. want to, like, I, I don't think for, like, the coaching staff, I don't think internally within the St. Peter's organization, but for the fans who are saying they kind of have more fun with Jake Marin you want to shut those people up a little bit and be like, no, yeah. what's fun is what's fun is 15 point wins. Yes. <laughs> yeah. and, and as fun it is to, to have a coming down to the last second when you're trying a 52 yard field goal, uh, you'd rather win by a couple of touchdowns. But well, uh, man, I, I tweeted this out last night. 
They have four games. They played four games. Their combined point differential is minus five. Right. <laughs> like, and I was I went back and I was like, okay, Argos. They had like a hail mary opportunity to to win, yeah. basically. Um, Lions. I actually don't really remember how that game ended. To be perfectly honest, uh, they just couldn't get anywhere on the final drive, but they were in within striking distance, obviously. Yeah, but still came down to the final drive. Alouette's game, last play. This game, last play. Like, as a beat writer, this is absolutely a nightmare for me. Right, but we don't care about no. that. <laughs> no, 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 it's also a lot of fun. I will say that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Right, so for a get on a flight back home. Uh, I've got to go uh, get some lunch ready for the kids. Uh, nobody cares about that. But uh, we will catch up again next week. Uh, it's going to be a long time between now and Monday. But um, can I get up? Get all on record with one thing. Winnipeg's dope, man. Winnipeg's dope. Winnipeg is the great. Is a great city. It's a great road city for CFL. In fact, my favorite Grey Cup is the 2015 Grey Cup uh, in Winnipeg. Game uh, was absolutely nothing uh, of note. It was Edmonton beating Ottawa, but man, did we have a blast that weekend! And uh, of course, when you take a three-time Most Outstanding Canadian on a pub crawl. Uh, it turned out a little bit more exciting because of that, but uh, overall, that Grey Cup was just uh, amazing. And yeah. I, I came out of that saying Winnipeg should have the Grey Cup at least every four years, and I hope they they go back again shortly. But they got Saskatchewan and um, Hamilton to get to Hamilton this year, Saskatchewan next year. It hasn't been announced though, has it? They're likely going back to Saskatchewan next year. No, I think that that is announced. I think is it? Okay. I think that's. I, I, I think just that's assumed funny. because they lost the twenty-one. No, no, no. That's that's why I think that's that's a hundred percent. And then I mean, you could basically like the reality is they make it seem like there's an announcement here. Like no, it's 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 a rotation. Yeah. Well, it basically is, and you've got you can figure out where you know Edmonton and BC uh, are always high on the rotation list. You can throw a Grey Cup in BC at any point because. Just easy to do, but um, the the yeah. West ones are always more fun. But I, as you know, I don't like it in Calgary because I like to travel for Grey Cup. So 2019 was not as much fun. I'd love if they went. I'd love if they went back to Ottawa and gave us an FRC suite this time. Like I, yeah, I mean, that'd be great. The, the one, <laughs> That's just a personal thing. Yeah, the only Ottawa one. I, a great Cup, great Grey Cup as well. So I enjoy yeah. that. One. Toronto's the only one that I don't really care if they go back to immediately. Um, yeah, they, they, and they don't need to. They went there in 12 and 16, and it was a bust in 16. So, but yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's just a side note of uh, our wishful thinking. I'll let you get on the plane, uh, and we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thanks for listening. You can follow Danny Austin on Twitter, of course, if you want to see all the nonsense that he gets into. Uh, I'm very rarely. But I, I spent this weekend just saying nice things about Winnipeg, and it was like, yeah. Because I got in and I was well, tired. Saskatchewan, because uh, we know that's what it is. <laughs> um, but I got in and I was just like too tired to do anything Saturday night. So like I watched, I grabbed food and then kind of went back to my hotel room. Ted Wyman and Jeff Hamilton were both out of town. Darren Bombing and I wanted to record something. So like, but it worked out perfectly for me. So like I woke up early on Sunday, went to the Forks, like went to cool coffee shops. Like I had a pool. So like a great outdoor pool at my I just had the best time in Winnipeg, but it was like very wholesome content for me. Just like talking. <laughs> well, that to... is totally. Well, I I did not. I you know I had a good time with my friends, and uh, so not not as wholesome. But that's the uh, that's all right. Um, 
you'll you'll make up for it later in the year. So I'm sure. No question. Your no your question. trip to Montreal will be fun. So I don't get one this year. I don't get no Montreal way. or Toronto. Yeah. Oh no, Toronto's all right. I got it. I I just assume that we got a regular season and it's not a regular season. So no. But Ottawa. Oh yeah, which is one of my favorites. And I'm actually gonna go to Montreal for Halloween after the Ottawa game. So like Okay. Yeah. You're still yeah. getting to Montreal. I knew you said you were going to Montreal at some point this year, so that was a big thing. Yeah. All right. We'll let you go. Finally, I said it for the third time, but now finally we're gonna let you get on a plane. So we gotta do we gotta do travel talk to end, <laughs> to end the episode. Just that's what people come for. It's me like musing about traveling. Right? Uh, yeah. The security at the Winnipeg airport is just deplorable, but other than that, it's a nice airport. I mean, it's, it's just too intense, so I don't want to actually criticize it. And like, but yeah, <laughs> <Too intense. laughs> I just I waited for twelve minutes before my bag moved at the, the oh. back of the line, and all the other lines were going. And I'm a priority passenger, so I'm like pretty demanding. Yeah, but you don't you don't want to mess around. You fly off, right? So. Yeah, so, so, anyways, we don't have to. We don't have to go into this. The guy, they were actually very nice. Everyone on Winnipeg is nice, but like, just annoying. <laughs> I wanted my, I wanted my smoothie. Um, okay, let's finish this. Goodbye. You bet. Okay, have a good day. Thanks.